0: Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community. Welcome back to another episode of Sky Women. Sky Women. Today, we have with us Dr. Rinku Mira. She's a board certified pediatric endocrinologist who offers medical care to children ages 10 to 21. She's practiced for the last 15 years in the DC metro area, both at Children's National Medical Center and at Pediatric Specialists of Virginia, where she was the medical director of pediatric oncology. And so she specializes in treating menstrual and hormonal conditions in girls and young women. And so we are very excited to have you with us today, Dr. Mira. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And I practice pediatric endocrinology, not oncology, just to clarify that. Did I not say endocrinology? Yeah, I said oncology.
0: Oh, <laughs> my apologies. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Pediatric it's okay. endocrinology. Yeah. So I might re-record that. So welcome, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah. So there are so many different endocrine issues that affect the menstrual cycle, and I think this is really important for individuals to know. And as I teach puberty courses for our community members, there oftentimes are questions about what's normal and what's abnormal. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Sure. Yeah. So. Um, You know, recently I have had a lot of questions about what's normal for puberty. And, you know, we'll specifically talk about girls because boys is going to be, you know, for another day, another topic. But for girls, the average age of starting puberty is 10. So and then the menstrual period average age is 12. And so over the years, over the last 50 years, we really haven't changed the average time that girls get their menstrual period period which is 12, you know, plus or minus a year. But girls are starting to have breast development a little bit earlier. And according to the Pediatric Endocrine Society, the normal time for breast development is 10, but if it's considered early if it's before the age of eight. So really between the ages of eight and 10 are gray zones for having your, you know, breast development start. And I always tell parents that it's usually a two-year process. So two years from the time you start breast development to the time that you get your menstrual period. And the most rapid growth in in terms of height for girls is also right after they start breast development. So usually if they start breast development at 10, they have rapid growth between 10 and 12. And usually most of their growth, like 95% of their growth is done by the time they're 12. And then they have a little bit more growth till they're 14, and then the growth plates close. And so the worry for most parents is, you know, twofold. One, is my child going to have her period early? And two, is she going to stop growing early and being shorter than average? And so those are questions that I often get from parents as far as, you know, what do we do and, you know, what are the options um, when girls start going through puberty early?
0: Right, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when it comes to those breast development and and secondary sex characteristics that we see, oftentimes, you know, let's talk about when it's abnormal and when we need to actually start worrying because some people may be a little bit delayed in their breast development. We don't necessarily worry if we've got pubic hair, we've got other areas of development.
1: Yeah. So... So I think, you know, one of the most common questions I get, and maybe you do too, is girls who have, you know, hair under the arms or pubic hair a little bit early. And I would say, you know, 50% of my questions about puberty are related to that body odor, pubic hair, hair under the arms. And is that related to to early puberty? And so when we're talking about having your menstrual period, those are not issues that are related to having your menstrual period period early. Really, it's the breast development and rapid growth with regards to height. That's related to getting your period early. Having pubic hair and hair under the arms is a separate, it's controlled by a separate gland. It's controlled by the adrenal glands. And sometimes there are abnormalities in that gland too. And so that needs to be investigated, but that's not what's going to give you, usually that's not what's going to give you early period, early menstrual period. And I've seen girls as young as four or five actually have you know, body odor and hair under the arms and pubic hair, and it it does not mean that they're going to get their period early.
0: Interesting, okay. Okay. So what are the signs that they may be getting their period early that parents need to be watching for?
1: Yeah. so you know rapid start of breast development and then an increase in height. So usually what we look at, you know in pediatrics is we say, well, the height is kind of like a vital sign, right? And for gynecology, you know, you guys usually say that. The last menstrual period. period the menstrual <laughs> period is a vital sign. But, but we yeah. always say, you know, height is the vital sign. And so if I look at a child and I look at their height, and height is very important for me to measure, and I always make a point to measure it appropriately. So if a child has, you know, height that's been tracking, Say, you know, I'm, I'm short, and so my children always track around the 25th percentile. And so if they're tracking around the 25th percentile after the age of three until puberty, that's pretty normal. That's where they're going to stay. So if you go to the pediatrician's office, get their height measurement, height 25th percentile when they're three, three four five pretty much stays there till they're 10. When they hit puberty at 10, they're cross height percentiles. So the worrisome thing for parents is if you go to the pediatrician's office and your child is six or seven. And last year, they were at the 25th percentile. And this year, they're at the 50th percentile of their cross-height percentiles. And they have what you think is a little bit of breast development. That's worrisome. That's a worrisome finding. Versus, you know, they have a little bit of, you know, sometimes some fatty tissue, and they're tracking on their height percentile. I'm not quite as worried that they're going to have their period early. So really, it's the growth spurt that's worrisome for, uh, for pediatrics.
0: Okay. All right. So we most, We usually recommend that whether or not they've started their period, they see the gynecologist between the ages of 13 and 15. Mm-hmm. Um, just And it's usually more of a talking visit, more to you know establish that relationship. But what would you say, one of the, the common concerns is that one breast is larger than the other. And I always mm-hmm. try to reassure them that this is all normal, that usually mm-hmm. over time, these breasts are going to become closer in size. Mm-hmm. That's not true for everyone, but usually that's
1: the case. Right. Right. So, so say, yeah, I would give the same advice, the breast size, you know, I'm not usually worried about this unless there's a significant abnormality. I mean, sometimes there is a breast tissue beneath one of the breasts, but usually if it's a little bit of asymmetry that tends to normalize over time. And so I'm not so worried about the, you know, breast asymmetry per se. Right. Right.
0: And with a little padding in a bra, you can usually be leveled out and
1: no significant concerns. Exactly. Yes, that's right. So, you touched on
0: growth, you touched on early puberty, and what about delayed puberty?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I worry, we worry about girls who have delayed puberty if they have no signs of breast development by the t- age of 12, or if they have no, no menstrual period by the age of 14. And, uh, you know, if they have a little bit of breast development at, at 14 and then they don't have anything by the t- age of 16, we you know, also want to take a look at their hormones and see how they're doing. And so the the reason that we worry about that is there are certain genetic conditions that are related to lack of secondary sexual characteristics or lack of breast development and lack of a growth spurt. So there's certain genetic conditions that we want to rule out. There's also other things that you all see, which is, you know, primary ovarian failure where the ovaries just don't work. And so we just want to make sure that things are working the way they are, as far as the hormones are concerned. There you know, are other conditions like girls who have a low weight, so a low body mass index, they're really keeping track of their calories and have a low amount of body fat. And so they just don't progress through puberty. And the reason we worry about it is because you know their estrogen levels could be low. And from an endocrine perspective, estrogen is really important for their bone health and right. they need to build up their bone bone health bank or their you know bone strength during puberty because that's the maximum time that they that they have uh, that's the time that they have to build up their bone health so we really want to make sure that they have enough estrogen enough body fat to continue to progress through puberty and have normal menstrual cycles right. um, and so you know delayed puberty is just as much of a concern as early puberty is although people don't tend to come to us as often for delayed Puberty or lack of menstrual periods because they're like, oh, we don't have a period. It's great, you know, we don't have to worry about it. But it's it's equally concerning.
0: I would think they would come for the lack of breast
1: development before mm-hmm. they would come for a lack of period. <laughs> right, right, and, and, and they do. They come for you know lack of breast development and lack of progression through puberty or no period at all. Um, and that's usually what I see. And I don't know if you see the same thing, but usually I see girls who come in with no period at all, and then we have to do an evaluation um, right. to see what you know what's going on.
0: Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, when else do you need to talk to your doctor about your period? If you're 15 or old years old and you don't have not had a period, if it's been three years since your breast developed and you don't have a period, Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. you're 14 years or older and you've never had a period. Mm You know, if and like you said, if you have an eating disorder, if there's a lot, you know, exercise and excess, mm-hmm. um, or hirsutism, or you know, extra body hair, it mm-hmm. uh, could definitely be an issue. And then also, if your periods are were regular but now they're not, or if you were having periods and now they've stopped, or if your cycles have changed from 21 days to now 45 days, or if your periods last more than seven days, I mean, there's right. plenty of reasons why we need to kind of take a look at your cycles.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so all of those reasons. And and I do see a lot of girls who come to me even at 14 or tw- you know 13, and they have irregular cycles. And mm-hmm. so you know, I started a couple of clinics in the DC metro area where the combination with an adolescent gynecologist for girls right. with just irregular cycles initially started off to see girls who had a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome, where they have irregular cycles and hair growth and elevated testosterone levels. But through that process, we found lots of girls who had other reasons to have irregular menstrual cycles, mainly genetic conditions that weren't really recognized. And so I think, you know, the the menstrual period and the adolescent gynecologist that trained me when I worked with them really, you know, trained me to say that periods are a vital sign. So, right. you know, you don't have to have a period every 21 days, but if you're outside that norm of, you know forty five days, then you know, we need to take a look and see what's going on. So twenty-one to forty five days was usually my threshold to say, why are your periods irregular? And sometimes we don't have to do anything at all, just watch a wait and see. Right. Because like you know, it takes about two years for your menstrual periods to regulate. Once right. you have, so, you know, once you start with a period. So so it's not going to be normal for the first two years or regular, right. your you're right. You're type of regular. Yeah. So
0: that's what I want. I like to really hone in on, on in our puberty courses. We really remind moms that that hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axis is going to be immature and it mm-hmm. may take up to two years for you to have those regular predictable cycles. So just keeping Mm -hmm. a menstrual diary is really key. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Like you actually put on the calendar, the days that you bleed, (laughs) that's it. You can also include your symptoms if you want to, but really it's marking those days that you bleed. And then we can kind of look at that pattern, whether you put it on an app or actual physical calendar, either way, it's helpful for us to kind of take a look at that and figure out what your pattern is.
1: Right, right. And I think oftentimes that just gives us the most amount of information to say that we may not do anything at all if your periods are, you know, off a week or so. But keeping track is super important, especially at that age.
0: Yeah. I've also seen girls who've gone off to college and had extra stress on their plate and maybe Mm -hmm. eating more irregular Mm -hmm. stop cycles and come in significantly concerned. You know, and then we do a progesterone challenge and everything's fine. We just have to kind of get back to some amount of balance in their life.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Yes. And, you know, it's amazing how much stress and your eating habits can affect your menstrual cycles. And so, uh, and, and I've seen that too. And they come back home, and they're you know home over the holidays, and then they have regular cycles during that time period.
0: Mm, yeah. So you mentioned PCOS. So let's go ahead and talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome, some because I think a lot of people get confused by it. Can you just enlighten us in exactly what is polycystic ovarian syndrome? And then let's talk about the treatments a little bit because I think that that makes some people anxious. People get anxious whenever I recommend oral contraceptive pills, which I'm like, it's a terrible name. Like I wish we had a better name for it mm-hmm. because it does so much good in the world. Truly, right.
1: it does right. more right. more good than it does harm. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk, as we're talking about bad names, I actually think that polycystic ovarian syndrome is a very bad name. It's a terrible name. It's a terrible name for the condition. And I feel like I have a lot of girls, my moms also who Google PCOS And Mm -hmm. they are worried that they have huge cysts on their ovaries and that Mm -hmm. the cysts are going to rupture and that they need some kind of surgical intervention. And so I, you know, I have a lot of girls who come with those types of questions. PCOS is a terrible name and really what it, you know, I wish there was some other name for it, but really what it means is that you have irregular cycles and, you know, you're, we all have male and female hormones and your male hormone levels are a little bit higher than what we would, expect and that's throwing your periods off and usually right. that's what I tell the moms and the daughters. So, you know, what we do about it is you know, we really treat the symptoms and and for pediatrics to be honest, it's hit or miss whether I will do an ultrasound or not because the ultrasound really doesn't guide my therapy unless the girl doesn't have any signs of elevated testosterone or any signs of increased hair on her face or her body. So I always tell girls, you know, your periods are irregular. And if you have hair on your body where, up, where you don't want to have hair, so hair on your upper lip or your chin, chest, stomach, lower back, those two areas girls just find to be annoying. So hair on the arms and legs, like we all have that and I can't right. think about that. But hair on your upper lip or chin and you have to, you know, shave your face or remove hair pretty regularly, and it's annoying. And your periods are irregular. That's a sign to me that you may have PCOS. Right, um, and, and you so only have, have
0: to have two out of three criteria. You only you have to have, have two to out of three. Ovaries. Right,
1: and and um, some of the, you know, medical journals have shown that, and you know, you can tell me what you think about that. But you know, as far as ultrasounds are concerned. Girls are going through adolescence are going through, you know, changes in their um, in their ovaries as they grow and develop. And so sometimes we see enlarged ovaries at one point in adolescence, and then later on, you know, when they're sixteen or seventeen, the size of the ovaries goes down. And so I often don't base my diagnosis on the ultrasound criteria. And I'd be happy you know, I'd be interested to know what you think about that, because usually it's a point of anxiety for parents when we tell them that they have to have an ultrasound. And I always do an abdominal ultrasound I don't do a transvaginal so parents are really freaked out about doing an ultrasound and so I often don't do one unless I feel like you know change your management yeah Yeah. maybe there's something else that's going on so I don't know Mm -hmm. what you think about that
0: yeah so I I agree I probably wouldn't do a transvaginal ultrasound in Mm -hmm. a younger patient if we're talking somebody you know younger than 18, I probably okay. would be hesitant to um, go directly to the transvaginal ultrasound, which mm-hmm. we know is is the gold standard really for mm-hmm. seeing mm-hmm. those ovaries um, to the best of our ability. But in terms of size, I mean, our our ovaries are making cysts every month and then they resolve, you know, we make a corpus mm-hmm. luteal cyst, we don't get pregnant, they resolve. Mm-hmm. And so it's con- our ovaries are mm-hmm. constantly going through changes. So right. it will do, look different from month to month, 100%, right. Absolutely. So, in those young patients, if we've got the hirsutism, you know, the hair on the face and the unwanted areas, and we've got the irregular periods, and we've got elevated labs, I really don't need an ultrasound.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't I need to increase anxiety. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, then, then the, you know, as far as the treatment options, the first thing you mentioned was keeping track of the periods. So that's yeah. usually the first thing that I do is ask them to keep track of their periods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I measure their hormone levels, so I will measure their testosterone levels. And again, you know, the morning is the first time, best time to do the testosterone levels. And are you doing free
0: testosterone? What's your...
1: Um, No, I do a total. I do a total Mm -hmm. because the assays are not that great for the free. And so I've done a total testosterone. Uh, If that doesn't give me enough information, maybe I'll do a free. But oftentimes, if they have clinical signs and symptoms, their testosterone levels... Can be normal, and I've seen that that their testosterone that those fluctuate also during the day, and so I've seen that normal, but I still treat based on their symptoms, right? And and then the treatment really is, you know, like you said, based on the symptom. So if they have irregular cycles, birth control pills, and so again, hate the word, hate the name for that because I have a lot of girls saying and moms saying we're not sexually active, we don't want to get pregnant, but really it's a hormonal to regulate their cycles, to make their periods more regular, less painful, less heavy. And then it does help with the hirsutism some, you know, it lowers, decreases how fast that hair grows. But I wish there was a better treatment option for the hirsutism because that is the most bothersome to Mm -hmm. girls. And so, um, and for the young girls, there are, you know, laser centers, you know, that sometimes will treat as young as 14, but usually they wait, they make them wait till they're 16 or 18 years old. And so the laser electrolysis usually is the recommendation for permanent hair removal, but they're still going to have to remove the hair. And I think that's the most bothersome to most girls, teenage adolescent girls, as far as uh, treatment options.
0: Okay. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, we agree, is a horrible name. (laughs) We do have good treatment (laughs) options. What's
1: your opinion about spironolactone for the hair? So I found it beneficial and I I use it for my patients. Yeah, Um, yeah. um, And I've had people say that they love it. It does make them, you know, tend to pee. (laughs) Yeah, I just uh, want to confirm you don't have any issues with it in the pediatric population. No, I don't have any issues with it at all. Okay, perfect. And the other treatment option that I use sometimes is metformin. Um, Yeah. And so so the reason that I care about PCOS um, as an endocrinologist is because girls with PCOS have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes, And and my goal is prevention always for pediatric patients. So diet and exercise counseling is super important. Not to say that every girl with PCOS will get diabetes, but it is a risk factor to have diabetes. Right, Right. something we have to be mindful of. Exactly. And so the metformin at higher doses can help regulate the menstrual periods. And so some girls who really, you know, they have an issue with a clotting, you know, clotting issue or high blood pressure or something like that, where I don't want to use a birth control pill at high doses. I can use. Uh, at high doses, I can use metformin. And that does sometimes help to regulate their menstrual periods It helps yes. them lose weight, and it decreases their A1C. And so that's, you know, been a useful medication. It does have side effects, but but I think sometimes it's really the risk versus the benefit of that medication. Sure.
0: Yeah. With all things. Now, when you were talking about hair removal, what do you think about these new at-home hair removals? Like, is it new, I believe, is the newest one? It's like a laser that you can use at home? Have you seen
1: yeah. These? So I actually, you know, haven't had a lot of girls use it and say that it's beneficial. I don't know if you have or not. I'd be interested to hear, you know, what your experience has been. But I haven't had no. people say that this has been a huge benefit for them for the no, investment I, that they're making.
0: Yeah. I saw some uh, physician moms talking about it the other day online. <laughs> And some had used it.
1: Some had just gotten one and and would let us know. So um, no, I haven't really heard. Yeah, Um, I haven't seen anything. I'd be interested to know if any of your listeners or anyone has some experience with that because it would be great. But that's the thing that I get frustrated the most with. And actually, I have talked to a couple of laser hair centers here in my local area Mm -hmm. to see which ones of them are comfortable treating adolescents. And there's very few of them who have good results and who are comfortable treating adolescent patients.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it would probably be more a liability. Don't you think that they're concerned mm-hmm.
1: about the liability? Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, we need a pediatrician to have a, a laser removal center. I know, I know, or a, or a dermatologist. I mean, it would yeah. be like a pediatric dermatologist. It would be great. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, this has been very enlightening, and I think will be extremely helpful for parents as they're helping their girls to navigate puberty. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, yes.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Where can everyone find you? So um, my clinic is actually a virtual clinic. Um, oh. I do see patients in person in Virginia, but I have a state license in Virginia, Maryland, Iowa, and Florida. And so okay. I'm offering telehealth appointments and um, my clinic is uh, the Merrick Clinic. So T-H-E and then my last name, M-E-H-R-A clinic.com. And so I provide virtual endocrine care for girls aged 10 to 21 with pubertal concerns or PCOS um, or any other hormonal issues.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky Community, thank you for listening to another episode. With a neuromusculoskeletal medicine fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website as mentioned or on social at Sky Women's Health or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.